So a lot went down this weekend. Um, I think from a podcast standpoint, I'm very excited that we finally did our comedy movies of the 2000s draft. So that's out there. We can officially talk about it. It'll be released. I think next week is is my plan for that. Um, that was a very fun time. I don't want to go into too many details of it, but um, I know you and I were both very excited to kind of get it over with. And, you know, after talking about it for a year and we hope to do more. So I'll give one detail away. Have you ever seen the movie? I forgot to ask you. Have you ever seen the movie Bruce Almighty? Yes. It's been a long time since I saw the movie. The reason why I bring it up is because Jim Carrey's character in that movie, he, you know, there was a point in the movie, in the beginning of the movie, where, you know, things were not going his way and he was blaming God for certain things not going his way. And he even said at one point, God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass. And that's exactly how I feel right now. God is a mean <laughs> kid with a magnifying glass after the shit show from last night. And um, hey, I you can know say that with uh, uh, with 100% honesty. That's how I feel about the man upstairs today <laughs> there, in the hockey gods. Yeah, I mean, with how things played out last night, you know, that to me, in terms of the NFL draft, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, it made perfect sense to just jump into hockey and talk about the Bruins. And, um, you know, you had said that your Sunday night, if it went to game seven, was not going to be very fun for you. And uh, given how things played out, I know that was not the case. It went kind of according to plan. It went as bad as you could hope uh, for the Bruins because they lose in the most heartbreaking ways possible. I even had that thought coming into the playoffs. Is that great? They have all these wins, all these points. They broke all these records. They have a great roster, but you're just waiting for them to stab you in the back and and break your heart in the worst way possible. There's n- I can't think of a team on earth that gives fans more false hope than the Bruins. See, at least if you're a fan of a team like uh, the Browns, I don't know, just just some team that just sucks. <laughs> like you don't have any hope. <laughs> like all right, like you don't have all this false hope like oh, we're this is finally our year. Maybe that one year when like, they got all this yeah, hype. Yeah, the past but, past but, few years there's been some, but I mean, what going back to 2018 at the the yeah. longest after you know basically 15 years of yeah, going in I, with zero I, first team that came to mind like, uh, just just a team that like you know is going to suck every year like hey at least you don't have this false hope like oh this is finally our year <laughs> like but that's what the that's the Bruins experience uh pretty much every year and the 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 longer time goes on the more I feel like and many people think 2011 was a fluke and everything else is really what the Bruins it's really what the Bruins are like they're they're not because they only have the one cup in this era they're not you can't include them in the you know the same category as like the Blackhawks or the Penguins or the Lightning like they're more like the Washington Capitals where they made it through once and they had plenty of talent good for them but year after year after year you're just choking it away in the playoffs and you know another thing is Many older people, 50, 60-year-olds, whatever, will say, like, man, like, people today are so lucky they get to experience all these Boston championships while while we experience heartbreak year after year. Well, as a Bruins fan, I I think um, 
you know, Patriots, Red Sox, they've won all these titles. And then, you know, the Celtics, they won one. But the Bruins, like, it, I feel like there's more heartbreak now than, than the past. Uh, so uh, I don't think that matters how old you are. Like, you experience the Bruins uh, choking experience no matter how, how old you are. Yeah, I think that that's, like, a fair way to look at Boston sports. I, I've always held this opinion as well, where the Patriots and the Red Sox have almost all of those championships they've won 10 of them the Bruins Celtics have won each and I get you it's it's great to have that one title there are a lot of fans who they haven't seen one in a long time if ever but once you get the taste and then you continue to get so close it feels so far away like so long ago and I, I totally understand that and I know like you're such a huge fan of the Bruins and I didn't see this coming you know I I, I get predicting the Bruins in a sweep was probably too much but yeah I I picked them in my bracket I picked Bruins in six just because I was a huge pessimistic fan (laughs) but but you know when the series went on when once 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 it was three to one uh, look I I fully believe that they could close it out but at the same time even when it was three to one I did regret saying that like oh man I I, I wish we played Florida like no I I I guess I definitely see the talent on their team their forwards are really good uh even though Matthew Kachuk is a prick. He's definitely their best yeah, very player, talented. really good player, really talented player. A lot of size, a lot of skill. Definitely can put the puck in the net. And then, yeah, him, Bennett, Verhage, Barkov, and go on and on. Their forwards are really good, but that's still a really beatable team. Like the Bruins should uh, ha- should have had a much bigger advantage defensively and goaltending wise and yeah the Panthers had the fewest points of any team at least in the Eastern Conference if not in the entire Stanley Cup playoffs to get in so like yes there there is very much a big difference between those two teams as good as Florida is it's 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 a bad loss it's it's an epic collapse no other way to look at it yeah so I didn't see this coming the beginning of the series but once it got closer and closer to uh, you know, the end of the series, we we talked on the other day and, and it's like, oh, game seven, like, yeah, like I think now, now I could see it coming. <laughs> it's like, now I do think they're going to blow it. Because uh, we've seen time after time, like not only do they blow it, it's typically always at home. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I... it's not, it's not, it's like the worst home ice advantage uh, on, on earth. Yeah, I, I, I think of a team that just blows it at home more. Than I think that's. Do. I think it's like relatively common when you look just across the hockey playoffs in general. It feels like home ice really doesn't mean a whole lot. But with the Bruins, just looking back, all of these losses and it's like a disadvantage. It's not even an advantage. It's it's it probably hurts them more that they're on the they're on they're at home than they're on the road when they're in these pivotal games like like the their one cup in this era it took place in vancouver yeah and they, they did they did win a game road. seven at home against tampa in the eastern conference finals that year yeah. but and and montreal and in montreal but they've also like you said they've lost a ton 2010 was that like the three nothing 2010 they're up tw- there's so many <laughs> choke jobs for this team 2010 they're up three nothing in the series versus the Flyers, and then they're up three nothing in the game in Game Seven versus the Flyers, and they blow four three lead in Game Seven and in the series, uh, like total uh, collapse three nothing in more ways than one. And then yeah. we saw in 2013, like yeah, they lost to a superior Blackhawks team. That team was loaded everywhere, so there's no shame in losing to them. But the way you lost that game was brutal because you're up 
two to one with a minute left to go or a minute or so left to go in that game. And then all of a sudden the Blackhawks win it all without even going to overtime. Like they tied the game and took the lead. What, 17, the 17 seconds. seconds. Yeah. You also just and skipped then, 2012 losing at home to the Capitals in the first round as defending champs. Yeah. That certainly was a story in Boston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I skipped over that one. That was the first round. They weren't that great that year, but I know what you mean. Like, yeah, they lost. They're still a two seed seven. that year. Yeah, and then 2015, they lost to Montreal. In, uh, it was 2014. 2014. Yeah, 2015 must play. I know. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of them. I totally get it. Uh, 2019. I thought that would be the lowest of the low, <laughs> losing Game Seven to a, you know, a team that. Look, I think the Bruins were better than St. Louis, but at the same time St. Louis did outbody them. Like they were they had big, huge uh defensemen in their decor and they basically outbody them and uh and that first line wilted uh for the Bruins. And I thought that would be the lowest point of of uh you know Bruins fandom, but no. I think I think this is worse. I know it's not look, I know I know twenty nineteen you're one game from winning the Stanley Cup, like it's, <laughs> I, it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup. I know it's that close for the 2019, but that 2019 was really lucky to make it there in the first place because, like, literally every other good team in the Eastern Conference lost in the first round. Yeah, it's like, you oh, said it before. I could. Columbus, uh-huh. yeah. All I have to do is beat Columbus and, and that Carolina. Carolina team. That's uh-huh. not wait. They were ahead of schedule, now, but at the time they were not ready. Uh, to compete um no then, so no you got lucky because Tampa went out in Washington went out in the first round and then Bruins <laughs> instantly was like wow they are the favorites to win the whole thing so yeah like after one round so look like that team really wasn't equipped uh to win a Stanley Cup because it was really just like the, the perfection line and a couple decent defensemen and then Rask was really good until the worst possible time <laughs> but I mean they had like uh, he probably don't even know this guy, but they had Carson Kuhlman like on their second line uh, in Game Seven. Like you don't yeah, even know don't, who that is. Do like, not so, recognize him. He was a healthy all. scratch like all playoffs until Game Six of the Cup, and they're starting him in Game Seven on the second line. Just like all right, like they're they definitely didn't have the depth to win that year, even though I thought they were better than St. Louis. But this team was equipped. Like they're not the you know those Canadian teams that had like you know, half dozen Hall of Famers or whatever, but top to bottom, I really liked all their lines. I liked their decor top to bottom, and I liked that they had not one but two very reliable, at least until a certain point, <laughs> reliable goaltenders for the year. And you can question, there There are a lot of second, uh, there, there are a lot of mistakes that were made, a lot of second thoughts that you can have about how everything was handled. Like, you know, so, you know, Allmark, he was, great this year but you know entering the playoffs it's no longer a platoon situation like it's rightfully so you have a platoon situation in the regular season because it's the regular season and you have two very reliable goaltenders so you can go back and forth with each guy but you know in the playoffs you really got to commit to one guy for that's typically how it goes but you know they had two really reliable goaltenders and Allmark was not a hundred percent entering the playoffs and I mean, look, three of the first four games, he was excellent. And then that one game he wasn't, I really put on the defense for turning the puck over constantly, which is another problem with the Bruins in this series. They constantly turn the puck over, constantly giving it away, can't complete any passes. They played so tight as the, the series went on, especially yesterday. And 
so so Allmark was good in the three of the first four games, but then you see him blow it in game five, and you know that that was really a second guess for me is that I th- I feel like Swayman should have been. So he was introduced to the series in Game Seven. Like, oh, here, here's your debut, Game Seven of the series. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's a second guess. I think they should have put him in at least in Game Six, maybe even earlier, uh, to, you know, give Allmark some rest because I think one, he was physically hurting, but maybe he was also mentally exhausted too as the series went on. I, I think that was a. Uh, one of the biggest second guesses of the series. Yeah, I know there was a lot of conversation early in the series after game two when the Panthers scored six goals, one in Boston. It looked like one of the worst games the Bruins played all season. Uh, but the the initial defense was, well, we didn't have defense. So it was just, Olmark was just basically hung out to dry. And then you go out and win two games in Sunrise. So you think, okay, up three to one, that's great. But that game yep. five overtime loss, that might have been... I, I, put, I really put that on Olmark. Yeah. I think that was... Look, the first goal of that game, Bertuzzi had a really bad turnover and led to the goal. But other than that, I, I felt like the other goals were all on Allmark in that game. And the Bru- Bruins had uh, – this is the Bruins' experience. They put up twice as many shots as the other team, but the other team wins. Like, that's really, that's the Bruins' experience as well. Um, that was the Bruins that I <laughs> well know uh, was that game five. Uh, so it was really disappointing that they couldn't win that, but – Part of me was like, you know, they had so many opportunities offensively. You know, if they could do that again, I think they can win. And they put up five goals in Game Six, like great. And they had, they they had a four three lead and a five four lead in the third period. And it's like great, all right. Like we just got to close this, close this out. And then yeah, um, you know, Omar gave up a couple more goals, gave gave the Panthers a lead and and got the empty netter. And Panthers won seven to five in that game. And it's a combination of both though, like Allmark – you know, he could have played a lot better, but, you know, at the same time, he's dealing with something physically, whatever it is, and definitely exhausted, in my opinion, and other people's opinions. But, you know, the Bruins' decor really, really disappointed. Like, because, like I said, the the four groups of both teams, I think, were pretty evenly matched. Like, you know, I think there are more well-known names on the Bruins, but, you know, after, you know, after seeing this series, I, I kind of realized, you know what, Florida's four group is really good, and definitely underrated but that the Bruins decor really really disappointed like McAvoy he 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 was kind of a no-show for most of the series uh, especially defensively he, he was awful in game two and then you know Dmitry Orlov Bobby Orlov was <laughs> like Bobby Orr when he arrived in Boston but and he, he had a good game seven uh but I will but that first goal he he, he had a defensive breakdown that led to that first goal so so even though he put up a couple points in game seven he had he wasn't great he was he was he was better in the regular season like many other people on the Bruins and then Hampus Lindholm uh he was the worst player on the Bruins in my opinion he 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 plays so much smaller than he like his size like he doesn't he doesn't he hasn't shown up in the playoffs at all uh, ever since he's been traded to Boston I mean I think it's worked out for the most part, regular season-wise, he looks like a legitimate defenseman. He's definitely their next best defenseman after McAvoy. But you know, seven million and eleven—I think it's eleven playoff games he's been with the Bruins. Zero points, not a single point. That you can't, you know, that that's not going to cut it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it's always frustrating when you have these guys that are like huge acquisitions that just no show in the playoffs and. 
I, I think the Bruins had a few where like there were hits. Tyler Bertuzzi was one of the best goal scorers Tyler in the series. Tyler Bertuzzi was probably the best player on the Bruins in that series. He, I, I feel like he was scoring or you know, setting up a score on, in basically every game of that series. So, and then I would say Marshan too, but Game Seven. Was, <laughs> yeah, he is. He was not show, as, which was uh-huh. I guess not surprising, but he was awesome the other six games and. Oh, yeah, it's just that's just brutal. Yeah, and um, it, there there are like a, a few things I want to go with this. I know you, you've been talking a while about it, but I'm not ready I'm to sorry. wrap this yeah. up. No, that's okay. <laughs> so I think um the the first thing is I was very much by the end of this rooting for the Bruins in Game Seven. Like I wanted to, to continue to have this discussion like about them in the Stanley Cup run, and um I really just wanted Boston Toronto. I thought think that would have been a fun yeah, series. Boston, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs been... finally advance, and then there they yeah, have the Br- big bad Bruins. Bruins in way. Maple Leafs would have been a great series because look, I always make fun of Toronto, but you know Toronto is dangerous, and I I would pick them in uh, you know if the Rangers lose tonight. It, I'm kind of flip-flopping between them and the Maple Leafs, but I think the Maple Leafs have a real shot this year because, you know, I, I mentioned the Capitals earlier. You know, the Capitals, they make it year after year, lose in the second round year after year to the most, most pretty much mostly the Penguins. <laughs> uh-huh. And then when they finally got over the hump... Finally beat the Penguins. You know, that, the monkey was off their back, yep. and they they could play more freely and not worry about, you know, choking in the second round. Now they had to accomplish their goal, but they did. Yeah, they did. They ended and up winning the Stanley cup. I've, and I kind of feel that with Toronto is that they finally get the monkey off the back of getting out of the first round. And now that they don't have to worry about that. And they're more equipped uh, this year than past years to, to advance. I mean, not just, I mean, yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, of course, because they beat Tampa finally, but you know they added some guys to their decor, and Ryan O'Reilly was the like I mentioned before the 2019 Conn Smythe winner who was awesome for St. Louis, and I think he's really helped the Maple Leafs. Their four groups awesome. I think it's probably arguably the best one in the league, and so you know if, if Samsonov Ilya Samsonov can just be you know good, like not not he doesn't need to be awesome, but it, it, I don't know. It's kind of like the Avalanche of last year where you know they're, they're their four group is amazing, and and Kale McCarr, but you know Darcy Kemper was their goalie. Like, but as long as he was fine, not great. As long as he wasn't a complete puddle, uh, av- the Avalanche were definitely had a real shot to win it. And so that's kind of how we feel about Toronto. Is that like you know kind of like Washington? They got their monkey off their back, and now like now they're facing Florida instead, who don't even, won't even sell tickets to, you know, Canada because they're afraid that there'll be a million Maple Leafs fans in the building, which there probably will be either way. And so, yeah, it would have been an awesome series if there were Bruins Maple Leafs. So that's, that's another disappointment. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a tough one to not be able to get that. And now like Toronto feels like they're very much set up to continue going on this run. And I think that makes it even worse. So, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned, this is like the worst from a Bruins loss standpoint is losing after this dominant regular season in the first round doesn't compare to losing in the Super Bowl after going undefeated though. Right. Like that's still worse. No, I, th- I think that's still the worst, like the top one. Uh, I can't make fun of anybody, any teams now for choking. Cause I'm a fan of the team that had the biggest choke in history in the Patriots. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the uh, arguably, the biggest choking team period <laughs> like history wise <laughs> uh, like not just one example but just endless examples of them blowing it uh so i'm i'm 
yeah, I, I'm 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 not doing well right now. <laughs> no, I I totally get it. It is kind of amazing just how it's not just one sport or two sports across all of the major leagues in North America. The teams that have the best regular seasons, I don't know if they're just chasing regular season perfection, but they it always play out them. in the playoffs. Yeah. It works against them, though. Like all that pressure, like the Bruins, especially yesterday in game seven, they played so, they, they were so panic, panicky uh, over every single pass. It, it felt like impossible to watch them just pass the puck. Uh, and you're just, you're just. You know, expecting them to turn it over in their own end because they did it so many times, and it, it was just—it's it, it just hard to watch them. Like it was—it wasn't like the regular season. I mean, because there's obviously more pressure in the playoffs, and it goes to show you that even with this amazing record, and you know, with the amount of wins that they had, they're really not. Yes, I thought they were well equipped to win it all, and I—I I do believe that they had. You know, one of the best rosters in the league, of course, but they're really, really, uh, arguably, they're really not that much better than Florida, which is sounds crazy. But I mean, they they did just beat them, so they didn't look like a sixty-five win, hundred thirty-five no, point team like in the playoffs. No, that's that's certainly true to say. I mean, it, the Lightning getting swept by Columbus after winning sixty-two games that like feels a little worse to me because at least the Bruins then just totally no show they they choked it's like a very different way to look at it both really bad but it's a similar kind really of result bad. I think the Bruins one's worse because you're like right there going up three to one fans. yeah I mean like Tampa one is of, just like, oh we just lost everybody. one of the arguments <laughs> is that like Tampa's the biggest frauds and the Bruins are the biggest chokers so I think like that and then the Lightning they turned around and they won back-to-back Stanley Cups right after I don't know I mean this is kind of billed as like the last dance of the Bruins See, like who knows what to make of this team next I year I don't know what to make of the Bruins because I don't I have no clue what the roster is going to look like next year because you know Bergeron and Krejci I mean, they're 50-50 on, at least my opinion, coming back or just retiring, especially Bergeron, I, I wonder about because, you know, he was definitely contemplating on retiring last year, and he does come back uh, for a very small deal because he obviously cares and wants to win another cup, and, you know, he ha- he's had all these injuries, <laughs> like multiple concussions, punctured lungs, broken ribs, and now we find out that he had a, uh, a herniated disc in his back, and it's just like, how much of this can you take? And it's kind of like the same thing with Chara, is that like, like now he's retired, and it's just because he's like he was so slow by the end, and it's just... The uh, way Bergeron was acting at the end of the game, it felt like the, it was probably yeah. the end for him. See... Last year when they lost in Carolina, there was it was very similar where he was hugging every guy and and you know, for more than a second and it looked like, all right, like this might be it. But the one yesterday, that one was really like a lot even more emotional than the one last year. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that had to do with being in Boston as well, at home instead of on the too. road, but and the, and the way they lost. But mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I'm sure being in, in Boston certainly played a part too, since obviously there are plenty of Bruins fans in the in the stands, but but yeah, like so I don't know if Bergeron and Krejci are going to come back, and then you know there are a lot of free agents: Bertuzzi, Orlov, Hathaway. All yep, those, those guys, guys that they traded gave for. up a lot in terms of draft. <laughs> they sold the so future. <laughs> for, they sold the future for just another first round exit. Uh, so I'm not sure if they'll bring the. I think Bertuzzi will be back. I think they'll do whatever it takes to get him. They back. Really should. That's he, what it feels like. He 
I think you should be priority A uh, of the un- unrestricted guys. Um, and then or- Orlov, I'm not sure on because he really didn't show up for the most part in the playoffs. And he wants a, re- he wants a long-term deal, like eight years uh, at six per. I'm not sure how realistic that is. And then, and then yeah, like there are a lot of guys that are probably going to be gone that are replaceable, but like they have nothing in their farm system outside of a couple guys, and who knows if they're even going to be on the roster next year. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not feeling great about it right now. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. It's it's definitely a disappointment, very frustrating. And you know, you kept saying all year long that you're just waiting for the playoff disappointment. Yeah, and I I even, thought even, yeah, eventually it'll probably come. I, I didn't did not think it'd, think be, it'd this be like bad. this. No, I <laughs> but I did say multiple times that great, they're winning all these games. I'm still expecting them to break my heart. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even I'm surprised and not surprised at the same exact time, like the way they lost. Uh, yeah, and I, because, I think you know what they're up three to two, minute left. Like, all right, like we're gonna get there, and then you see that time goal and goal go in. It's like, yep, they're gonna lose. It's only a matter of time. I during overtime when I was watching, I would literally stand up. I would have Grady Little PTSD, and I would have the remote in my hand, and I would have the thumb on the just off button, just to... waiting for them to give up the goal. And then once Verhage scored the goal, and his hands were up turn off the team i didn't even see <laughs> anything else just saw him go like this uh, yep yeah i um i've definitely been in in moments like that before where it's yeah, like we just I saw it last year it <laughs> yeah no it, that was so Game seven yeah so there I, I guess in the example of the like turning the tv off immediately for me it was when the Cavs beat the warriors finally in 2016 another record-setting team that couldn't get it done blew a three-to-one lead in the playoffs now that was in the finals not in the first round so not as disappointing and not as big of a failure at that point but that was one example of that last year i mean for me it was just sitting there in shock i mean like i guess i don't know if shock's the right word because i was prepared for it especially since the rangers were on a power play but it was also it took a while for the tv come off and then i was just staring at my reflection in the black screen just like not knowing what to do with my life same situation on a sunday night too which makes it worse because it's like i have a full week ahead of me now but like what am i supposed to do how am i supposed to go to bed right now so i i totally understand all that frustration just a very different situation given that the penguins weren't like the best team in the league last year but it's still losing game seven overtime in hockey it's i don't know in terms of sports losses, there's probably not a worse thing. Just in terms of overall, no, I, like I, I, you know, like it takes years off your life. Yeah, yeah, it really <laughs> does. Stanley Cup playoff runs are amazing when your team wins it all, and it's just when you when you lose, it's just it sucks. And especially it's, for it's, me as someone who like I really love the Stanley Cup playoffs when the Penguins are in it, and then as soon as they go out, it's like. I just lose interest. I can keep up with all the other sports see, whether or not my team is in see, it. I but. still. I'm still interested, but so when there are two teams, you know, let's say in the cup that, and, and it's not the Bruins and it's, it's a pivotal game and it goes into overtime. Like, I can watch with a breeze, like just <laughs> uh-huh. be excited about the game. But if it's, if it's the Bruins that are in the spot, I'm just like, Oh my, like just praying to the, you know, the, the, the God with the mean kid, uh, or, you know, with the being a mean kid with a magnifying yeah. glass, like I mentioned. Uh-huh. Just... Yes. No, I, yeah, that's how I, <laughs> I no, I I will say I'm still interested, but it's less of a oh I need to like watch every second of this game. It's like I'll I'll keep in I'll keep up with what's yeah, going on. I'll know who's ahead in series, but 
you know, it's not. And the that's same. how I am with the Bruins. Is that like when they're in the regular season, I pay attention, but I'm not gonna act like I watch literally every minute of every game. But in the playoffs, mm-hmm. yeah, I do do that. And yeah, it sucks that they're out this early. Uh, you know, texting multiple friends about the Bruins. <laughs> like, there's there's <laughs> one group. I mean, like it's it's basically just a uh support group at this point yeah i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of those in the boston area right now and will continue for a while i mean you still have the celtics but uh yep i they better they better win now that's that's really uh that's really all i'm I'm, all i'm counting on right now yeah i mean before we get into that i think that there's just like one last point i want to make i think that there are two players legacies both retired long retired at this point who uh, are directly improved by this. One is very obvious, Tim Thomas. I mean, the fact that he was actually oh, able sure. to lead the Bruins to the Stanley Cup with all this goaltending woes ever since. See, when I say the Bruins won the Cup, they, I, I say Tim, Tim Thomas. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> you got to build the guy a statue. I mean, the, he is the only reason why this group, like all these players, Marshan, Chara, Bergeron, they have at least even one though cup. they, Even though those those guys that you mentioned stepped up, like it, it was all really about Tim Thomas, though. He uh, shut out Vancouver that... in Game Seven. <laughs> Can you imagine any other Bruins goaltender doing anything like that? Just given all the results that we've seen since then. No. You and you know to answer what you're about to say, you mm-hmm. said Tim Thomas is one. Is the other one Tuukka Rask? No, it's not Tuukka Rask. <laughs> I think you know because this the way this ended feels like Tuukka would be in the net, but because he wasn't, it's like all right, maybe it wasn't a Tuukka. <laughs> maybe it's just uh, in the Bruins DNA. No, and I, I totally get that aspect, and I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing for Tuukka, but you know maybe it does relieve him a little. No, the other person is Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan led the Bulls to seventy two wins, and he actually won a championship. Eighteen zero Patriots. You know this Bruins team, the Lightning team, seventy three win Warriors, hundred sixteen win Mariners all those teams great regular season in some ways flame out choke whatever in the playoffs 72 wins don't mean nothing without a ring so there you go another one for MJ and the whole goat debate across sports especially in the NBA yeah uh, you you know me with legacy talk like oh what does this mean for LeBron's legacy it is it is like I I hate I hate hate uh, legacy talk but like I mentioned earlier when it comes to the Bruins like losing that game you're you're not in that class with chicago pittsburgh or tampa like you're just like washington now it it is a funny joke to try to say like what does this have to do with the player's legacy but like i i don't know it it feels like a good thing for jordan's legacy the fact that he was actually able to lead that bulls team to a championship and not choke like all these other teams since then you know how people say there's a curse with the the madden cover like i don't believe that one but i absolutely believe the president's trophy is is a curse uh, not uh, the last 10 winners of the president's trophy haven't even made the stanley cup and nine of those 10 didn't even make the conference final yeah <laughs> they oh. all lost in the first or second round yeah happens so a I'm, lot 2008 red wings right or no the the blackhawks in the shortened season 42 game lockout that, they were the last ones to win 2008 red wings before them and like yeah there's a lot of times where they don't last year's president's trophy winner the panthers they get swept in the second round this year they go out and beat the president's trophy winner so you know i feel like that's a convincing argument yeah i'm really just holding on the trends at this point (laughs) with the bruins but Uh, the way this looks it it looks like it's gonna trend downward from from now from here on out I, i don't i don't know what to i mean they can't possibly win that many games in a row uh you know win that many games again in the regular season break records but 
I, I still think they'll be good. They're not going to just tank and suck. They they have too much talent to suck. But you know, winning the you know the ultimate goal though, like that that is trending downward for me. Like this was as good of a chance as you're going to get um, this year. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. It feels like it's it's going to be a while with a different core. I don't know. This is going to be like a lightning situation where it's like, oh, they suffered this horrible loss and then they turn around because there's just so much uncertainty, so many aging players, so many guys that are free agents. You just don't know what to expect, you know, moving forward. So. Anyway, let's uh let's move on to the NBA playoffs now. And let's uh let's talk about the Celtics. So it, things uh didn't look the prettiest against the Hawks, but they ended up pulling out a six-game series win, setting up a battle with the Philadelphia 76ers once again. I think this is the third time now that these two teams will have met in the last five or so years. And if you go off history, you'd probably think Celtics in four or five games because that's how much they've dominated the Sixers. But if you go off just the first round, well, Philly took care of business, swept Brooklyn. Celtics struggled with Atlanta. Are things going to start to even out a little? Now, the big asterisk is Joel Embiid is not playing in game one. We're recording for before game one. I would hope the Celtics can beat the Sixers without Embiid, especially in Boston. But... You know, that, that'll certainly they, be an X factor in addition to just how things are trending from that first round. Yeah, if if Embiid is out, they, they should smoke the Sixers. And who knows how long he'll be out? He's obviously out for game one, but who knows what the, you know, the future is after game one. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to the Celtics, yeah, it's great that they're, you know, they're in the next round and they get to face a Sixers team that they've, played well against in the playoffs and you know how my feelings on the Sixers and 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 now their best player is injured like it, it's setting up for the Celtics to you know make it back to the finals and then you see you know Milwaukee lose too that was mm-hmm. the team we were worried about and so it's really setting up well for the Celtics but at the same time I can't help but look back on that last series and yes they won the series but it took six games which is kind of ridiculous when it comes to the Hawks maybe 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 I underrated the Hawks maybe if they just played better down the stretch and you know Jalen Brown said like hey if they played like that all year they would have you know been like a five seed or whatever like so you know he's giving his respects to the Hawks but you know what? I just I think it says way more about the Celtics because you know after game four you know they they, they take a 3-1 series lead and you know before game five Tatum Horford and other guys you know were asked about you know, their thoughts about going into game five and, you know, Tatum specifically, he talked about how, you know, what last year there were multiple times in the playoffs where we had, you know, great chances to close out a series or close out a game with a big lead and we didn't. And, you know, we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. So like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, like, so guys like Tatum and others have learned their lesson and know that they can't just coast in these games and, you know, not take the opponent seriously. And, you know, when you get off to a big lead, you don't just take your foot off the gas. Like you got to close out these games. And that's what I'm thinking, like, is not going to, they're going to make sure it happens this time around. Because we saw last year, they blew that big lead versus Milwaukee in game five and game six, they should have closed out Miami to go to the finals, but, but they had to win it in seven. It's just, they're adding all this pressure to 
all this <laughs> all this pressure that they shouldn't have. Uh, so I'm thinking, all right, they're going to close out the Hawks. They're 13-point favorites, but no. <laughs> they had this big lead, and then they blow it. Yeah, and 10 points with five minutes to go. It's just, it's just frustrating. I'm thinking, okay, they say all the right things, but you still see the same thing on the court. And it's, it's like, okay, great. They beat Atlanta, and they have a really good chance of being Philly, especially if Embiid is out. But what does this mean for, you know, when they, you know, if and when they advance to the next series uh, or or the potentially the finals again? And I don't, I don't know how I feel about. Look, I feel great now, and I feel good about their chances to beat Philly and advance out of the series. But, you know, in terms of their finals chances, I don't know because we just saw that it's still kind of the same thing. Like when you look back on that game five, and you know what, even game six too, I. Look, game six, I'll give them credit for making the comeback and and closing them out and playing well down the stretch, especially offensively, but it's the Hawks, man. It's the yeah, Hawks. Yeah, no, I, I totally <laughs> agree. I, I didn't feel great about it. It was one of those, like, all right, thank you. Like, I'm glad that you pulled this out and you didn't make us go into a, a game seven, win or go home, but it, it, it didn't feel great. Like, you blow that game against the Hawks, and then you think that, okay, they're going to go into Atlanta they learn their lesson. And it, it's a back-and-forth game the entire way until the very end before the Celtics finally pull away. And, like, credit to Jason Tatum for turning things around. But the inconsistency is just – it's frustrating at this point because he's a guy who, I think, at his best, he's arguably the best player, you know, top-five player, MVP candidate in the league. But then we see in all these pivotal moments that you just don't know what you're going to get from him. One game, you're going to see him close out, you know, 50 points, like put on a show. And another, he's just turning the ball over, missing threes when it's not his night. And the Celtics end up losing. And it's it's getting like pretty frustrating at this point. It's it's They're, they're infuriating to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I really do believe that they are the best team top to bottom talent-wise. But, you know, do they have this same mental makeup like the Warriors like I think the Warriors yeah last year again I've said it before that I think the Celtics were the more talented team and should have beat them but because you know they don't know how to win and the Warriors obviously do know how to win it showed in that series and it would worry me if if they were to meet again yeah uh, I (laughs) totally agree with that I mean just look what the Warriors did go down 2-0 against a young up-and-coming Sacramento Kings team and then they end up winning three in a row, game six at home, they get blown out, 19-point loss. Like, oh, no, sky is falling. Got to go back Sacramento game seven. And they respond. They, Steph Curry, Huge second half. Points. Yeah, most Record points ever. Seven. Yeah. See, he's a winner. Yes. He knows how to uh-huh. win. But I don't know how I feel about Tatum and and other guys on this team, Like, if they know how to win yet. No, I, I and you, you would think last year was a wake-up call, and it doesn't feel that way. And I still like the Celtics' path. It still seems like, especially yeah, the Milwaukee like out, like I that like they their are path. better than all these other teams. But then you wonder, okay, so against Philly, this is a team that without Embiid, even with Embiid, you still think the Celtics should beat them in a short series. Yeah. Maybe this one drags out. And then maybe the Eastern Conference Finals, they're like, oh, the Celtics are better than either the Knicks or the Heat. But then that's another one. Maybe that we've drags seen, out. We've seen it several times with the Heat, where uh-huh. it's, a, it's a long series and they beat them in the bubble and then last year they almost beat them yeah going to in seven game games seven. and then you're like okay you show up at the nba finals you don't feel like they're truly battle tested you think they just got worn down by opponents that aren't like as good as them and then they go out they, and they probably lose to whoever in the west because like those teams in the west like they all have 
you know guys with championship experience exception of denver but like the it feels like that could ultimately be the moment where they could be tested and then they're just gonna break your heart in the worst possible time again yeah they they got worn down last year and you know it's kind of uh, you kind of blame them because they should have finished their series quicker than they did now obviously they they, they swept brooklyn but Milwaukee and Miami, you know, they, they should have closed out those series a little bit earlier than they had to. They they put all this pressure on themselves that is is just unwarranted. I don't know. Like I don't get it with the Celtics sometimes. Uh, yeah, and then of course on the NBA finals, up two to one, chance to go up three to one and then just blow that and then Golden State's able to take advantage. So Yeah. So I, I still uh, I still worry that the Celtics really haven't learned from last year just given that they should have they really should have swept the hawks but you know losing one game I, where you know trey young just goes off it's like i get i expected it. a five game series lose but, game three but, but to lose to lose game five like, yes it took trey young to make a clutch shot for them to, to lose that game but even still like they kind of deserve to lose shouldn't that game. have been in that point deontay murray wasn't even playing like the the hawks <sighs> yeah. they should have been beaten down and the series is over and it looks like it and the fact that they blew that game just like especially like a day after Emi Odoka gets hired joe missoula is throwing out blake griffin with nine minutes to go in a relatively close game like what is what, what is are you blake doing griffin on the f- yeah. on the floor for that much uh, time for <laughs> It just, it made no sense. And just like, you know, definitely a bad performance on his part. And I think like that kind of game, it's like, okay, this is why the Hawks hired Quinn Snyder because he's an experienced coach. And he, even though like his roster wasn't as great as the Celtics and his team is down, he was able to capitalize and out coach his opponent there. So, yeah, look, I don't, I've, I've said this before that coaches can only do so much for, for teams, but you could you can impact them negatively more than positively, and I feel like we saw that a little bit in Game Five, where with Missoula's uh, rotations, and you know you know my thing with Marcus Smart, like I'm never gonna mm-hmm. uh, be a fan, and you know that Game Five really pissed me off with with Smart, you know drawing that foul and doing other dumb things, yep. and and makes me think like why isn't Brogdon out there, sixth man of the year, some a veteran that you can trust to to not make these stupid mistakes. You know, Celtics they they do they play they, they play hero ball sometimes. Like <laughs> yes. hate them offensively, uh, but Smart's the opposite. He wants to be play hero ball defensively like, "Oh, I'm the DPOY, you should respect me." blah blah blah. And it's just it's like just play defense. You don't need to make the hero uh steal and and be the man. Like just just play defense and he has to draw that foul that Yeah, that and that, just, that totally burned the Celtics. I just in that think moment. with Look, Smart did a good job in Game Six with those passes and those shots that he makes. And it's like when he understands his role, I really do like Marcus Smart. But <laughs> uh, that's very rare because he usually does not understand his role and wants to be the man. And he thinks he's just like Brown and Tatum. And that's when I get pissed off with Smart, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's one of the more frustrating players of any team that I root for. <laughs> you know, he's someone who, like, like you said, when when he's doing what he's supposed to do, he's great. 
every now and then he'll hit those clutch threes. Like we'll, we'll see it, but it's usually after missing a ton that, you know, or the reason why it comes down to a clutch moment instead of the Celtics winning by a a lot. It it works against them when he actually makes the shots because then all of a sudden his ego goes out and he's thinking, I'm, I'm just like Steph Curry. I can make any shot out there, but he can't. No, there's a, there's a baseball term that is like pretty popular called a four loss win, which is basically whenever a, not very good starting pitcher performs well and the team wins it's like all right now he's going to keep getting starts that's going to be four losses in a row to make up for this one great win that kept him up there and i think that's a concept that kind of applies in this situation (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know how i don't know how to feel about the celtics going forward but at least in this series uh, i mean we'll see with Embiid because uh, if 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 Embiid can get healthy then i think it can be a series mm-hmm. i still like i still be- think the Celtics will win Me too. still my pick yep but and and they should coast if <laughs> Embiid is out for more than one game but you know we'll see yeah yeah, I mean, it could sound silly if the oh, I'd say the Celtics come out and blow out the Sixers in Game One, but the Celtics did that to the Hawks in Game One, and that ultimately only meant so much. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how things play out there. Um, I think, you know, as as bad as things were for the Celtics, at least they weren't the Bucks. <laughs> you know, I, I will admit I was wrong when I said that. Oh, the Heat, who cares? Like they're not that good because Jimmy Butler he he put on a show and back to back games of doing that. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Butler is is a winner. He's he's, he, I I can't think of any athlete or person really on earth that I've had a bigger one eighty on one one eighty <laughs> view on than Jimmy Butler because uh-huh. before the bubble, you know his time with Minnesota and and Philly, he he, he says like all these selfish things. It's like man, like this guy's uh like not great for the locker room but then when you see him in the bubble and the way he's treating everything it's like all right like i get this guy like it, it, this is the shack meme sorry i was not familiar with your yeah game. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i felt about jimmy butler in the bubble and ever since he's he proves that the playoff jimmy is a real thing yeah he, he definitely even when he has to do it by himself he can he, i fear him for sure yeah, I mean, maybe I, not winning a title though. Just, and, uh, just given that's really just him. But uh, yeah, uh, but I still fear him. You know, if if the Celtics and the Heat were to meet in the in the East Finals again. Yeah, I mean, I have a very mixed appreciation of Jimmy Butler because of that bubble. Like, as great as he was, ultimately, all his performance did was lead to a finals loss to LeBron James and the Lakers. So, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. Can't I do can't love him because of that. everything by himself. I know, but I would have rather him just not shown up and had a team with a more serious chance uh, go up against them. But, I mean, every team just choked in that playoffs other than the Heat and the Lakers. So... I don't know that it really would have been different if it was anyone else. But, yeah, I mean, I I think it was easy to criticize Miami when they got swept by Milwaukee in 2021. But then last year, they're a one seed, take the Celtics to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. And now they just beat the Bucs, not just beat them. They beat them in a five-game series. And most of those games were not all that close. Like, they they had a couple blowout wins and then come back from down 14 in a game that the Bucs had to win at home to win in overtime. So, they're definitely a yeah, serious once, team, and now they're up one zero on the Knicks. So yeah, once once Jimmy put in that tying bucket in Game Five and went into overtime, like yeah, Miami's Miami looks like they're gonna pull this out, and you know it, 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 they did, and <laughs> freaking Grayson Allen, man, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that man. Was not even worst. getting a shot off, just like <laughs> not even getting a shot, dribbling, a Euro step yeah, with, 
doing a euro step with a half a second left just that's just great yeah. <laughs> like no no wonder why people don't like this guy Dude, I, with, with all of his I've I've definitely like I, obviously I hate him way more at Duke I don't hate him right. nearly as much but it's just like that that's just another moment it's like all right fuck race now and like I, I hate this yeah. guy still <laughs> uh, yeah that, that was that was bad and look Giannis he's still he's still one of my uh you know, favorite players. Like I, yeah, I, 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 I think he's one of the most likable guys in the NBA. But I gotta say, after that game, he was asked about, you know, are is this, is this a failure? And he's like, there are no failures in sports. Like there, <laughs> it's only step towards success. If the Bruins losing Game Seven <laughs> to the Panthers is a step towards success, that's the worst <laughs> step in ever to success. <laughs> no, uh, that, that it's it's a failure. It, it, I completely. It's a agree. failure. Look, it's. He's not a failure. No, but but His... in sports, it's really pass and fail, and they failed this year. Yeah, and there no, there are certain scenarios like you can have a successful season without winning a championship. The Sacramento Kings, as much as it sucks for them that they lost to Golden State and they had every opportunity to win, they went from fifteen plus years of irrelevance to now looking like they have a legitimate future in the Western Conference. That is a successful step season. Success. Step towards success. The Bucks. They entered the season as one of, if not the biggest favorites to win the finals. Entered the playoffs, I believe, as the final favorite. Yeah, best record, one seed, and they lost in five games. That's absolutely a failure. Like, this is a team that should still be playing, should be going on a deep run. Every expectation to believe that they should have at least made it to the NBA Finals and to win one playoff game before bowing out in the first round, it's a failure. You know, I love Giannis. It's a great life lesson, but... You know, it's, it's hard to criticize Giannis too much because he's such a likable guy. Yeah, no, such, he has such I a agree. great perspective on life. Yeah, he's a great story coming from humble beginnings. A great in Greece. story for sure. So that's why I don't. Because if it was like Kyrie Irving, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. oh fuck this guy. What a loser uh, this guy is. No wonder why everyone hates him. And, but but because it's Giannis, it's like all right, like I can't criticize him too much. But I totally disagree on his point uh, that. It's, it's it's just a step towards success. Like no, it's it's a it's a failure. Yes, yeah, I I can't deny that. Um, I guess speaking of failures, I think that nobody had a worse overall first round of the playoffs than Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh my God, yeah, that. that <laughs> like I don't respect anyone who. Uh, uh, unless they score forty, I mean, and then they lose by lose 40, by forty, yeah, to have their season. Nice. I, I, I don't know yeah, he, what his future holds at this point. He's an unrestricted free agent. It feels like the Grizzlies maybe don't want to bring him back. I don't know what team is going to be lining up to sign him to a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, it what what a horrible performance for him, both on the court and then off the court. Ultimately, getting fined because he won't talk to the media, and then he's still like running his mouth and still talking at the end. It, it just, I, I can't stand him. I can't stand this. I, can, I can't now. stand. I it, can't stand Dylan Brooks either. It, at least Ja, yeah, he had the the, you know, the horrible stuff earlier in the year, but at least he showed up in this series. Yeah, he was, he was asked very about, good. He he showed up in the series, and then after they lost, he was asked about you know what you know your comments on the saying I don't have to worry about anyone in the West. He's just like yeah, I'll deal with it. And then I saw a video of him where he's outside the state. Oh, excuse me, Crypto dot com <laughs> <laughs> center, walking out, and everyone's like nah nah nah, hey hey goodbye. And and Ja is just like you know having having a good time. And it's like, all right, like he can handle the criticism, but Dylan Brooks can't handle it. 
at all. No. And Ja also is making two hundred million dollars in the next five years. So Yeah. So he looks like he's set for life anyway. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about anything. Uh yeah, no, and I, I'll say the the Lakers are legitimate title threats. I think any of those four teams in the West have a real shot. I mean, they have to play the Warriors now, and we just saw the Warriors last year win the finals, and they, they haven't looked the best this season, but then they went out and they took care of business, ultimately in the end beating Sacramento, especially in a blowout win in Game 7 on the road. But, yeah, I mean, that they – that game one win was not a fluke in the sense that they can win without LeBron being the best guy. Anthony Davis looks awesome. We'll see if it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt or if he can continue to stay healthy like he did in the bubble. But Lakers look, they look very much legit. Yeah. It, it, obviously, Anthony Davis has to stay healthy. And if he does, along with LeBron, they definitely have a real shot. Uh, I'm rooting for the Lakers over the Warriors in this series, and the reason why is this is looking too far ahead, but <laughs> if the Celtics and the Warriors meet in the finals, I do not love the Celtics' chances, just given the history of both the teams. While if it's Celtics-Lakers, you know, I, I feel better about it, uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's my take on it, is that I think the Warriors will win because I'm a pessimistic fan. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and expect the worst, but I'm gonna. It's, it sounds crazy, but I will root for the Lakers just to give the Celtics, at least in my opinion, I think that's a they have a better shot of being the Lakers. Now that doesn't mean the Lakers can can't win. Like of course they can beat the Celtics if they were to meet in the finals. But yeah, I, I think bad, just given the history, the Celtics can beat any of those four teams, and they can lose to any of those four teams just yeah. as easily. How I think beating the Lakers would easily be the most satisfying, but losing them would also be the most painful. So I think I'm that just too, like that too. That too. That's a good point. Uh-huh. Is that it would be worse? It'd be more painful just given the rivalry and LeBron. Being yeah, on the and team now. they would break the. You know, they would pass them for most championships. So, because right now they're tied at seventeen, it has the potential just, to be it's just, amazing, it's but this, also horrible. It's just this thing with the Warriors. Even the regular season, uh-huh. where the the Celtics got this hot start, the Warriors are struggling. They're barely under five hundred, and then all of a sudden, Celtics player they're they're playing the Warriors, uh, like at uh, whatever their arena is called. I forgot, but uh, they're at Golden State, and it's just the same exact thing. And then and then and then when they play at the Garden. Yeah, the Celtics won, but it didn't look convincing at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just something about that team is in their head. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really just the Warriors when it comes down to it. it it's a Chase Center, by the way. It took me a, a second to come. Chase up Center, with it. right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it, like look, LeBron's won the uh-huh. greatest ever, but I, I don't like I don't fear. I'm not scared of LeBron. Steph Curry scares the hell <laughs> uh-huh. out of me, though. Just anytime he shoots, even if it's contested, it's just like, oh shit, here we go. It's gonna be another shot that goes in, and he's gonna. Put up a billion threes and they win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's reasons to be scared. I think in some ways of both of them, but the Warriors are they're a scarier team when it comes down to it. It's just like, and especially after last year, and you know, Denver and Phoenix. Both, I think either of them could end up beating the winner of the Warriors Lakers. Like they, it's crazy to talk about those teams like that when they're the six and the seven seed versus like you know the one and the four. The Suns they picked up Kevin Durant. Like it feels like they're still like the best talent wise team in the West. But I I don't know uh, what to make of them right now because they did not look that great against a shorthanded Clippers team, and then they lost pretty convincingly to the Denver in Game One. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to think of that series because. Like neither of them really battle tested at all in the first round <laughs> uh-huh. because Denver played Minnesota and then the Phoenix played a 
a Clippers team that didn't have Kawhi for most of the series and Paul George for any of it. So yeah. I, I I don't know what to like. I would lean Phoenix, but after seeing Game One, I don't know. I'm I'm still gonna lean Phoenix just just because I don't want to get off the prediction, but. It yeah, look good in that first no, game. I went into this series thinking that Phoenix was going to win relatively yeah. convincingly. I mean, I, I don't know. It has to be like a sweep like two years ago. No, like but six games. Yeah. Six games. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. They'll be playing game two after this one records. We'll see if Phoenix can get back on track or if Denver takes a big 2-0 lead. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of excitement still going on in the NBA playoffs. No, so. I, I like that it's these... In the West, I mean, I like that. It's a dream matchup for the NBA in terms of ratings and, you know, just having those four teams, whether it's a big market, you know, big players, there's a a lot. Yeah, Yeah, big rivalries, of course, too. So, yeah. I like it for pretty much the entire, both sides. Even the East, yeah, you're right. Celtics Celtics Uh, Sixers is a as a group two, good rivalry although yeah. recent history it's it's really there's still two prominent teams two teams that are right. easy to hate i think is a good way to look at it and then you have and, new york and then, yeah just a new york team the nick the knicks being in it is mm. is great uh and then and then they're playing i i think miami or milwaukee either one i've been fine with yeah well um, i mean I it's, it's interesting i mean yeah in terms of miami jimmy butler like they're the whole heat culture you know they're they're a recognizable team just from the LeBron, Dwayne Wade era. So, uh, so yeah. So I like it from both sides. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of eight teams to have, there's there's not too many others you could insert in that would make this better just overall from, like, an NBA interest standpoint. So, all right, and we'll uh, continue to, you know, talk about the NBA playoffs and, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, some of those takes about the Celtics age as uh, the postseason goes on. But let's shift away from the playoffs and talk about the NFL draft, which was the other marquee event of this weekend. And, um, you know, I think let's start off by talking about the Steelers and the Patriots. And, you know, we can definitely take our time to talk about them individually, but it feels like there's a really obvious way to connect them together because these two teams made a trade in the first round and one that I think is a win-win for both teams. Steelers move up. They get Broderick Jones to hopefully be the team's left tackle of the future, and the Patriots get one of the bigger steals of the first round, at least according to mock drafts, by getting Christian Gonzalez still with the 17th pick. Yeah, uh, I like it for both sides. The Steelers, I think... They needed help at tackle. I, mm. I think both teams did, so it's kind of a little <laughs> uh, bit of a letdown for the Patriots. But but it's definitely a uh, definitely a win for the Steelers. They definitely needed help at tackle. And then, yeah, after they make the trade, they get an extra fourth rounder, which they desperately needed because they are just obsessed with mid round, <laughs> mid to late round picks. And then, but they only dropped three spots, and they get yeah they get Christian Gonzalez, who is in many mock drafts rated as a top. 10 pick and they get him all the way down at 17 which which looks like great value and it was a at a position that they need because i liked all the joneses jonathan marcus jack jones they're i think they're all solid corners but they're all uh not just all joneses but they're all you know kind of smaller corners and they need more size at that at, at that position and it's a premium position and they got arguably one of the best corners in the draft I guess my only pause for this pick is that okay he he was projected as a top ten pick and he drops all the way down to seventeen and my first thought is like okay maybe the rest of these teams outside of Seattle didn't need a corner but then all of a sudden you see at sixteen the pick right before Washington takes a different corner they mm-hmm. take Emmanuel Forbes and it's like okay well what's 
how come Gonzalez didn't go next? And so that's that's my only po- cause for concern is that like is there is there something with injury history or personality? Like what mm-hmm. what why did he drop to seventeen? But at the same time, I. I don't care. Like uh-huh. The Patriots, <laughs> the, the Patriots finally took uh, someone at a premium position with a first round game. Now I know Mac Jones was taken two years ago, but you know my feelings on that pick, and he's still to be determined uh, coming into this season. So that one's that you know to be determined. But look, like, it, it's the first pick I've been excited about in the first round in, in a while, like probably since Hightower. <laughs> yeah, which this is what two 2000- thousand. 12 13 13? I don't yeah. even know like 10 years ago yeah uh, like it just it, it's been a while since I've actually been somewhat excited about a first round pick for the Patriots because I saw this joke mock draft and when I looked at the Patriots it said taking someone in the fourth round that <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. they could have taken in the fourth round <laughs> which uh, I mean so. basically what they did last year with Cole Strange oh it's just an awful pick taking Cole I know it's only one year in but I, I still think that's an awful pick taking a sixth-year guard, a guard, at <laughs> uh, 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 a Chattanooga. I, I, I still think that was a joke of a pick. And so, so yes, I can. If I'm, I'm, if I'm nitpicking and being a contrarian, it's like, okay, why did Christian Gonzalez drop all the way down to seven? I, I think that's. You know what? I don't care. It's I don't care. Definitely <laughs> fair to be skeptical. I'm also wondering that. I'm wondering, like, did the Patriots know something when they traded down? Because you know, the the whole theory is New England basically made that trade with the Steelers to screw over the Jets, thinking that the Jets were going to take Jones and knowing the Steelers were going to go I, Jones there. But you know, I've heard this too. That drives me crazy. Uh-huh. It's like, don't you want to? value more help uh, your own take, roster helping your own team yeah. spring over a rival uh-huh. that's dumb if that was if that was the case that's dumb no i i totally agree and it feels like they got lucky that washington decided to go forbes over gonzalez there uh and it, really the Steelers didn't either if that's assuming who they were targeting the whole time they just got lucky they traded three spots back screwed over the jets picked up a fourth round pick and still got their guy anyway you, you know it sounds like they weren't even targeting christian gonzalez because i heard uh, Matt Grow, the I think he's the Patriots director of like player person, some some sort of I, I've high power job. So yeah, that yeah. sounds right. And he was talking, he was asked about Christian Gonzalez and and the you know their thoughts on how they were handling the first round. And he's like, yeah, well, there were a handful of guys we liked, and and then he went on with his Christian Gonzalez analysis. And I'm thinking, okay, so they didn't target him. They, they <laughs> uh-huh. there were multiple guys that they were thinking about, and they just decided to go with him. And so. That worries me a little bit is that they didn't really target this guy is that they just took him because they thought he was the best on the board at the time. But. Yeah, and it, I, we might never know how that right. really played out, what the full story was there. When the Steelers were like coming up, you know, I, I wanted either Christian Gonzalez or Broderick Jones. Like, those were my top two kind of guys going into this. It, with the exception of Jalen Carter, I never truly believed the Steelers would trade all the way up to go up and get him. And I still had a little bit of pause given some of his off the field stuff. You know, Eagles, I think, could take that risk as a defending NFC the champion. The best thing about but... the Steelers is their D line, too. Well, so the problem with the Steelers is they have they have really good defensive linemen, but they also have like age isn't is a concern. Like Cam Hayward, okay. it's only a matter of time, probably at least before his play falls off and you know ultimately retires. And then you know Larry Ogunjobi is someone who dealt with health issues last year. Svon Tuit really still haven't replaced them. Like they they've tried with some later round picks and some you know guys that they've signed off practice squads and stuff who've been able to fill in. We'll kind of talk a little bit more about what they did in the draft to address that. But I, I do think it was like a 
pretty high position of need, I still would put tackle and cornerback above them because I think that those are two where it's like you genuinely need to get someone out of this draft who can do everything in their power to make sure that they'll be a starter come week one. And uh, ultimately I thought those two were guys that would have been great. And, you know, when the, when the Patriots were coming up, you know, some of those picks started going off the board, especially like Darnell Wright, Peter Skaronsky fell off and it's like, well, there's, they're running out of tackles, but Gonzalez is still there. And it's like, well, the Patriots probably going to steal him. And then who knows what will happen from there. But then all of a sudden I was actually, you know, Kenny texted me, Kenny Cashman, like right before the draft asking why, different rounds had a different number of picks he didn't really know about compensatory selection so i was kind of given a primer on those and then i didn't hear from him for two hours and i was watching on youtube tv so there's a slight delay he was in the patriots like draft party whatever at gillette stadium and he just texts me an emoji like one of those like faces where it's just like the lines for eyes and a mouth um just like i know which one you're talking about yeah and um immediately i see Steelers pick and I was like whoa and it, you know I was like talking to my dad at the same time another too another trade back here we go again uh, they're gonna trade back and then they're gonna take some stiff guard <laughs> I know it okay. worked out for you but like in that moment it was like wow I I you know it, it had to be one of those two I in think the thought the was moment, I uh, was yeah oh I'm sure Patriots living. fans were pissed yeah Kenny said like Patriots fans are booing they're like are you kidding me we traded back and then it's like we traded back the Steelers of all teams so I know that you know the fans there were not happy but Ultimately, Broderick Jones or Christian Gonzalez were going to be the pick for the Steelers. I was good. as long as they took one of those two, I was like huge fan of the Patriots. Like, thank you for helping the Steelers move up. No complaints about Broderick Jones. But it was like one of those. I was like, ah oh, man, Christian Gonzalez. Like he was like the number two corner. He like you said, he was supposed to be a top ten, potentially top five pick, and you know he was right there. But it's hard to complain given that the Steelers just ended up with Joey Porter Jr. with the thirty second pick anyway. And yeah, th- those <laughs> were their two biggest needs, tackle and corner. Uh-huh. And they addressed those with their first two picks. Yeah. And yeah, just great coincidence that Joey Porter Jr. is now on the Steelers, which love family makes me ties. Feel old, but <laughs> it was it, it was kind of expected too. I just didn't oh, expect yeah. it to be at 32. The, well, I know it was the beginning of the, I know it was the second round, but mm-hmm. yeah, beginning of the second round. Yeah, I did not expect him to fall out of the first round. At that point it was like going into the pick 32, it was like take Joey Porter Jr. You know, unless someone completely blows them away because they want to trade up for Will Levis, just take Porter. No complaints at all that they did that. And then from there, it just kept stacking up more and more wins. Um, Keanu Benton, he's the defensive tackle they ended up taking in the the 49th pick, so their third pick, still in the second round. And then, and then Darnell Washington, who is just, gigantic. He's yeah, basically six seven another- two forty. He's basically another offensive lineman. I think it's I think it's perfect for them because he can be he can block and be mm-hmm. like another offensive lineman, but he can also obviously catch the football. But he doesn't have to be relied on as the number one tight end because, because of Pat Frymouth. Yeah, it's just so I think it's a great pick and fit for them. Yeah, I mean two Georgia guys that are instantly great options for helping out Kenny Pickett and just just from blocking sense like you said you know between both Broderick Jones as his left tackle Darnell Washington basically like a sixth offensive lineman but also just another guy to incorporate into the passing game and I know he wasn't really a huge passing threat at Georgia partially because of Brock Bowers who's you know would have been the best tight end in this class but I think 
you know, for the Matt Canada offense, Washington feels like the kind of guy he'll find a way to utilize because it's just kind of give him the ball and see what happens. He ran tight end screens as Jack, Zach Gentry once a game last year. Why can't he do the same thing with Washington but actually have success with it? Uh, and then I guess like, you know, we so Benton is someone who very likely will end up starting in the middle of the Steelers defensive line, at least be the nose tackle. We'll see what he ends up being, but at least as someone to help with the rush defense, because there were times when down the stretch, the Steelers run defense was great, but then other times where it was like 2021 and anybody was running all over them. So definitely a weakness there. And then adding Nick Herbig, the younger brother of Nate Herbig, who the Steelers signed as a death guard piece. So just continuing more with the family ties, another Wisconsin defender, another Wisconsin pass rusher. He'll get to learn from TJ Watt, fellow Wisconsin pass rusher. So love that pick. Didn't end up picking again until the seventh round, but one of their guys, Corey Trice, he's a cornerback who a lot of people had as like a third or fourth round grade. They got him in the seventh round. I think he tore his ACL in 2021. So there's some injury concerns there. But another great value pick, and then they yeah, taking another tackle, Spencer Anderson from Maryland, and then, fa- and then so. also Allen Robinson. With yeah, the, yeah, Rams with the Allen Robinson the just like a week swap. before. Yep, yeah. So that that was nice. On, on top of I like I liked the Steelers draft a lot. Yeah, I, 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 I huge think, fan. I, think, I, think I love it, and they they've been getting an A plus grade from a lot of people, which is crazy. Like that never happens. There are a lot of times they're like, okay, I really like the Steelers draft, but it's still like no one's talking about them as a huge winner. They're constantly on biggest winners list, which is just yeah. I, I, Amazing job by Omar Khan in his first year as GM. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think they did a. I can't even. I can't even have a rebuttal. Or say, <laughs> nah, no, 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 I I think they uh, they addressed their biggest needs and 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 got some great value, like you mentioned. So yeah, I, I, I was a fan of their draft. Yeah. So for the Patriots, I mean, I think the Christian Gonzalez pick was the best pick of the draft. I but I mean overall, uh, the Patriots. They're I mean, it was better than last year. <laughs> <laughs> like last year, I was just like number one loser with the, no doubt about it. Like I wouldn't put him in the loser or winner category. I think it was just a fine draft. Uh, I've definitely seen them in winners list, but yeah, I mean, it's I think they're that, more in the, the middle. First round, just uh-huh. the first round. Yeah, like everyone's talking about how like the Gonzalez pick was like an A, A plus or whatever. I mean, look at the rest of the draft. So just going through, I'm not gonna go through every single name, but they they made positions. twelve picks. It wasn't like a Steelers. Yeah, they, they made twelve like picks. Six I'm not seven. gonna go through every uh-huh. name, especially since I don't watch college football really well, but. Uh-huh. So, defense, 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 a corner, D-lineman, linebacker. So, defense, 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 center, kicker, guard, guard for the <laughs> for the first five rounds. Just, like, obsessed. What is this obsession with guards? I don't get it. And taking a kicker in the fourth round is – I mean, if he's the man, great. But if he's not, like, man, they, they've wasted multiple picks on kickers now. Uh, yeah, it's – Not ideal. It's a huge and, risk. They took two wide receivers in the sixth round. We'll see how they are. Apparently, yeah. uh, the Kayshawn Bout, LSU. Bell, one, LSU. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, he had injuries, and he was like, you know, highly touted as someone that can go earlier, but because of injuries, it held him back. And yeah, that's it why was he dropped. injuries, and then just like didn't really have a great fit under Brian Kelly in that first year at LSU. But yeah, he's someone who like that could end up being a huge deal in the sixth round. Yeah, and then. They took a, a punter. I mean, <laughs> like Jake Bailey was awesome for a time, but something he, happened so, there. Something I don't know happened. What. I have no what, no idea what happened. We'll probably never know either. Uh, but they need a punter. Yeah, so. I think they're the first team since 1990, or no, since 2000 to take both a kicker and a punter. Is the Raiders who took 
Sebastian Janikowski and Janikowski Shane Leckler. and uh, is it Shane Leckler? Yeah, and both were yeah. great for them for a number of years. So. Yeah, the, both guys, are, both those guys are all pros. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, we'll see what happens with with these two picks. Yeah, Patriots. Uh, so, I mean, look, they they took defense everywhere, defense guards and special teams. It's just look, the the first round was great, but overall lukewarm on it i think the patriots had a solid draft i think defense i mean keon white was like a very good value for them later in the second round and i i think that basically the approach that belichick is taking is like you know our offense is not going to be able to compete with the likes of buffalo miami and now the jets so let's just get a ton of young quick defenders to try to stop them and it seems like a sensible approach. Special teams was a problem for the Patriots last year, which is just which is amazing. Just given never how much Belichick is, Belichick is obsessed with special teams. Yeah, so he's he's definitely doing everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen again next year. And you know, some value potentially out of Bout, and then they took another wide receiver. I think Demario. Um, what was his name? Uh, Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas. Yeah. I don't know anything so. about him, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, those are three, you know, two guys that they're hoping can be good. Uh, so the Mar- Marpet Mapu, the guy from Sacramento State, he yeah, some people like he's like a apparently he's like a Kyle Duggar like safety slash linebacker. Yeah, I think Daniel Jeremiah was like he was like one of his favorite players. I don't really know a ton about him. I will say Sacramento State was the number two team in the FCS this year. I don't know how much Mapu contributed to that team. They did lose their playoff game in the the quarterfinals to Incarnate Word, sixty six to sixty three. Not necessarily a glowing review of the defense as a whole, but uh, that is a pick that is definitely getting I'm fine. I'm fine wide acclaim. So yeah, yeah. I think overall the Patriots had a definitely a better draft than last year. Better. That's that's all I'm hoping for. Really, like, uh-huh. like last year was so bad that. Uh, that I can only look at it positively or positively enough. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, last year's draft, I think in the end, a lot of those guys ended up being solid, at least. Like Marcus Jones and Jack Jones were, were yeah, solid Yeah, Marcus corners, Jones and Jack but... Jones are solid, but man, that freaking... <laughs> so bad. Uh-huh. No, I, I that's, I'm not even joking. Like, uh-huh. Look, Nikhil Harry will always have the top spot. <laughs> sure. But uh, Cold Strange is, in my opinion, at least one year in, is not that far behind in terms of worst picks of the past decade for Belichick yeah I mean we'll see if he can turn things around but reaching that far on a first round pick it's gonna take a while it's gonna take him actually playing like a pro bowler for for that to look like a the right choice so yeah but yeah I guess um you know in addition to that you know there were 30 other teams that made draft picks this weekend and uh you know definitely a lot of storylines and you know big winners and losers so let's kind of go through ours let's start with big winners so you can let's start three for now each and then we can continue to go from there so all right uh first one is kind of obvious um it's so unfair how the eagles just dominate (laughs) the draft now where they get (laughs) They get Jalen Carter, which I uh, think is such an amazing fit because, yeah, there were some off-the-field concerns, but this is the absolute best landing spot he could have had because the Eagles have a really good front and a, a veteran one. Yeah, man, I think that that's can, key. That's I think that's absolutely key for someone like Jalen Carter if there are character concerns. And he gets to join his team, former teammates, for, former Georgia teammates with – 
Jordan Davis and, and Kobe Dean. Dean. And, and now Nolan also Smith. So Nolan Smith, uh, they took 30th, who was projected to be also a top 10 pick. It's just, wow. Like, he's he's in the best landing spot possible. Uh, both of them, really. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, the Eagles just dominated the draft. Again. Definitely. Uh, I mean, it has the potential to be all time but also you know there is the character concerns with carter nolan smith is someone who is undersized so like i put a little bit of pause on it just from that perspective but still i mean the eagles are coming away as huge winners for a reason if you were on a team uh, who's a team that has low character uh like bad character concerns like the raiders i guess Um, yeah yeah, raiders they always felt like a perfect pitch for them with their their past like how Uh, bad it's been so if he ended up there then i would think it'd be could be trouble yeah but going to philly it it definitely but but going to philly i think Uh really matters and helps yeah and they also added keely ringo in the fourth round he was someone who was expected to go as early as the second round and then they traded for deandre swift so i mean they're they're georgia north that's uh you know very much one way to look at it you know sealy's added a couple georgia guys but the eagles have topped them in terms of the the total number so yeah, so Eagles are clearly, in my opinion, and many people's opinions, the the winner of the draft. Next one, I don't know how sneaky this one is, but Colts, or specifically Anthony Richardson. Because, <laughs> yeah, I have Anthony Richardson as well, specifically as yeah, a winner. Yeah, so maybe specifically him, because he, you know, he ends up with the Colts' desperate need of a quarterback. But so Shane Steichen is their head coach now, rookie head coach, and he was the OC in Philly, and. We've seen what Jalen Hurts has turned into, where in the beginning of his career, he was taken in the second round. He's the backup quarterback to Wentz. Then he becomes the starter. And after a year of being the starter, there are all these talks about, okay, uh, like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and, and Jalen Hurts getting traded you know, for those guys. But, you know, after you know another year, we've seen that Jalen Hurts is now a superstar in the league and got paid and turn turn into one of the best quarterbacks in the league and Anthony Richardson has a really similar skill set and Shane Steichen probably thinks that hey if I can get that at Hurts I could probably get that or maybe even more out of Anthony Richardson just give it he's gigantic he's even bigger uh, than Jalen Hurts and and maybe even faster and he's so, like Cam Newton body type and, yeah like so the there's a immense upside with with Richardson. Yeah. Now there's a lot of downside. He's definitely there a project, is. He but, yes, he is a project. That's but for sure. Just given that he's on a team that's led by a coach that just previously coached a quarterback who was an, also a project and it worked out successfully. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a win for yeah for him, I, for Anthony Richardson. I also think it's simple, regardless of how things play out in Indy. The fact that he went fourth overall and there wasn't another quarterback taken in the first round that's a huge win just dollar amount and you know boom he's he's in a, a great spot um in theory on top of it so definitely have yeah, him as so, a big winner yeah so that was another i mean the steelers are they were kind of like my other winner but like we we also mm. talked about them already <laughs> yeah i didn't include them because you know i already <laughs> said so yeah um uh, yeah, I guess those are my winners. I, I'm sure I'll come up with another one, but yeah. So, so another team that I wrote down, they've been getting a lot of love. I I don't know if this is more me just reading everyone else's draft gates and be like, yeah, you know what, they had a great draft. But the, the Seahawks, I think I when it comes down Seahawks. to it, they had an awesome draft last year. So I'm just convinced that John Schneider and Pete Carroll are going to have a great draft that, until they have another terrible one. <laughs> so 
that's why I paused a lot there because uh, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to say the Seahawks because last year I was totally wrong about their draft. They probably had arguably the best draft last year. Like, yeah. All their, all their draft picks are starters. Yeah. I mean, they walk uh, away and, with and, the number one corner and the number one wide receiver this year. Right. So. so that's why it gives me hope that the Seahawks came out with a good draft. Like <laughs> I was going to say they're going to be sneak. They could be sneaky good this year, but last year they were sneaky no, good. Yeah. I thought they were going to uh-huh. win like four games and they, they made the playoffs. So maybe they'll be sneaky bad. I know <laughs> but, that. Well, that is the thing. It's, it feels like them going nine and eight again is like very much probably like this somewhat expectation, but it is. So yeah, I, I would them say the, taking the a step back would be the big thing. So if I were to pick a honorable mention winner, like after the, the uh, Eagles, Colts, and Steelers, like the Seahawks would have been my next choice. Just, yeah, I just like, given their first round. Yeah, I like that they're rolling it back with Geno Smith and that they're not like they didn't use a first round pick on a quarterback here because it, Jackson Smith, Nujikova, just getting him another weapon that seems like it'll help the offense. I like and, that because t- Lockett's now in his 30s mm-hmm. and, and then Metcalf, Metcalf is awesome, but if Lockett will be. I don't know how long Lockett will be there. Yeah, like probably one more year or two yeah, years not or whatever it is. Long. Like just having a third option is, especially someone like him, like Smith and Nick Jibba, is uh-huh. is going to be really good for Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean the one thing I question about Seattle's draft class is the fact that they took Zach Charbonnet in the second round. That's why I paused on that uh, too because they took another running back. It's like you yeah. just took Kenneth Walker. Like what? What do right. you need? I mean, you need more than one running back, but <laughs> to take another one that high. In the draft, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with that. So uh, beyond them, so I kind of have a joint one in terms of big winners, and uh, I think both the Texans and the Cardinals. Just starting the Cardinals, being able to amass draft picks for the future. This is a team that needs so much help, like just now and moving forward. I think that's a big win for them. But from the Texans, I, 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 I so there is a pause. There's a pause on Houston. And like, oh, they gave up their first round pick next year. That could be a top five pick. I like that this team kind of went all in to not just they, they the whole smoke screen of, oh, we're going to take a defensive player at number two. They went on and took CJ Stroud, who I'm really high on. I think his performance in the Georgia game last year convinced me that he can be a great NFL quarterback. And now that gives a reason for Houston fans to be excited. And then to go out and trade just to move up to number three and then get Will Anderson Jr. anyway. I think just from an excitement standpoint, there's a lot of reason to be really happy about the Texans going into this yeah, I, year. So No, there's there's plenty of excitement to get both those guys on your team. And you know, after Stroud had that bad performance versus Michigan, it's like, all right, like mm-hmm. how where's this gonna guy gonna go now in the draft? But then after seeing him in that bowl game uh versus Georgia, a game that they probably should have won. Definitely. Uh, it, it, yeah, she, CJ Stroud showed a lot in that game and uh yeah, def, definitely nice that he went as high as he did. I I don't hate that that trade that they made for Will Anderson. I just think it's a lot. They I, gave I, up a I, lot. It, yes, they gave up a lot. And look, if Will Anderson turns out to be this like all pro, you know, defensive player of the year kind of guy, then it's worth it. I just feel like it's a lot. And if I had to pick who I think won the trade, like I would say the Cardinals. That's why I also that pick, think that pick could really be a high mm-hmm. pick. It definitely could be, and that's why I also think they're a really big winner. But I I think the Texans come away from this draft feeling good as a franchise, feeling good as a fan base. I mean, we know like the, you know, the Texans fans have been through a lot in recent years, so they have a reason to be excited, which they haven't been for the past few now. Yeah, I'm definitely in the middle when it comes to 
how I feel about the trade compared to because I've seen people say like, oh, this was such a such an amazing mm-hmm. trade, Nick Casario, GM of the year, and <laughs> uh-huh. I've seen people say this is the worst trade ever. How could you do this for one linebacker? It's like. I'm I'm in the middle when it comes to that one. Yeah, and it, that's probably the most realistic spot to be. But I, I I'm on the high side. I think I love to move from Houston. Just really what it means is the way that I'm looking at it. We'll see how it actually plays out. Um, and then a few quarterbacks that I think are big winners. Number one, Lamar Jackson. He got his big deal. He topped Jalen Hurts. And then the Ravens draft another wide receiver, Zay Flowers, in the first round. So I I think it was a very good Thursday, day one for Lamar. We'll see. I think he's going to be hungry to prove it in, uh, you know, that he can stay healthy and continue playing at a top level now that he got his money. But regardless, he got paid. So he's a big winner. Uh, Another quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Raiders had multiple opportunities where they could have taken a guy to, you know, really be a threat and potentially replace him. They didn't. They went with Tyree Wilson in the first round, who I think was at least a solid value pick getting him seventh overall. There were some thoughts he could go as high as two to Houston. And then they drafted Michael Meyer, the in a lot of people's opinions, he was the number two tight end, could have easily gone in the first round. They ended up getting him, I think, thirty fifth overall. So he's someone yeah, who's gonna Dalton step in and Kincaid. replace Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid was a uh, was the first tight end. Yeah, he was the was first one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I I had I was no no like Dalton Kincaid was the first tight end drafted, uh-huh. and I thought it was going to be Michael Meyer. Yeah, I so I had heard like it from what I had seen, Kincaid was the top tight end, but it, it did feel like it could have been one or the other. So the fact that the Raiders end up getting Meyer, I think, was a big win for them. And you know the Raiders did end up taking Aiden O'Connell in the fifth round. I think uh, Josh McDaniels said that he reminded him of Tom Brady. So we'll see what if that means I, anything. I, hate, but... I hate when people say that. Like, even even Joe Burrow, like Joe uh, Burrow's gotten a lot of Tom Brady comparisons. Even Joe Burrow has said like I should not be in the same sentence as Tom Brady. It's like even someone like him, I hate. I just hate when anyone gets compared to Tom Brady. Like I guess. What like Mahomes is like the one it's, guy that, uh-huh. but like he doesn't even have the same skill set. No, so. when you're comparing a guy who's a fifth round pick based off skill set to Brady, it, it's a it's, it's a still, big expectation still, for his dumb. career. You're just yeah. putting too many high expectations on whoever that person is. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It's a lot of people. So the Bucks drafted Kalaja Kansi, a defensive lineman from Pitt in the first round and he's instantly being compared to Aaron Donald because they have similar size, similar combine metrics and went to the same school. It's like, that's a lot of expectation and pressure on this guy early on. So, uh, and then the last one in terms of quarterbacks, Jordan love Packers went out, they got him weapons, two tight ends, three wide receivers. It, both tight ends were on day two in the second and third round. They got Oregon State's Luke Musgrave, South Dakota State's Tucker Craft. Both of those guys were in the top eight, which is kind of the cutoff uh, in terms of guys who are in the top 100. Tight ends are quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback like Jordan Love. I think those guys would be big. Michigan State's Jaden Reed in the second round, in addition to two later picks, uh, Virginia's Dontavian Wicks and Charlotte's Grant DuBose in the fifth and the seventh. So I think uh, Jordan Love, yeah. he's he's got some options to go along with the guys they already have in place there, like Watson yeah, and Dobbs. As expected, I, I expected you to have more winners than I did. <laughs> <laughs> you probably okay. have more losers. Than uh, we'll see. Well. I mean, I, I definitely have a few losers, so I'll let you get started with biggest losers. All right, first loser is is I think kind of obvious. I did not like the Detroit Lions draft. I, I thought I completely thought the draft agree. Was awful. Yep. I, 
he took he took a running back twelfth overall, and it wasn't even Bijan. No, no, it was the other guy, Jameer Gibbs. It was, it was Jameer Gibbs. I, I didn't even I didn't like that pick at all. Now I know they traded DeAndre Swift, and but they traded him yeah, after. Could, yeah, they traded him <laughs> after just, because just, of the just, pick. Even still, uh, even still, like okay, like yeah, you couldn't trust DeAndre Swift anymore with his health, and so yeah, they, they traded him, and now it's. I'd imagine Gibbs is like now the clear starter. Like him and David Montgomery. The, I mean, they both have what, similar. Whatever. That's still. It's still. <laughs> they're not two a great different. Pick. No, no, no. I I agree. I don't love that he pick. Was a projected late first, early second rounder at a at a low value position too. I I mm. wasn't a fan of that pick. And then they took uh, Jack, Jack Campbell. Campbell uh, probably no relation to Dan Campbell, but uh-huh. either way. Uh, that was great linebacker was name, but not a great positional value at 18th yeah, overall. Yeah, not great positional value, and he was not projected to even go like in the first round at all either. And no. it's, it's just a little cringy now. You see Brad Holmes, <laughs> and, you know the the Lions uh, uh, draft room being like, "Whoa, let's go, yeah!" And and it's just uh, like it was one thing to do that for Panay Sewell. It's like, all right, like you got a, the best tackle in the draft. He dropped a seven. Like, great, good for you. But now you're doing, woo, let's go, yeah. Like As you the, take guys who would have been there with your next pick. Like a, a round later. Yeah, uh, I, I saw someone say, wow, the Lions had a great second round <laughs> in day one. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did not like the – now, they, it was a little bit better yeah, down the – There are a lot of people who are putting them on winner's list because of day two, but I'll let you go give your thoughts on it first. Yeah, like so Brian Branch was projected first rounder. He won the second round. So maybe it's just a reverse. I guess it doesn't <laughs> uh, really matter. If you got the right players, because Hendon Hooker was, uh, he was being talked a lot about going to the lines, but at 18th, and he ends up dropping all the way down to the third round, and so yeah. like, but they like, had a solid, they were solid after day one, but even so, like, I don't know. The I first round, I think it, it cheapens things, uh, and even their day two. So Sam Laporta, they took him 34th overall before with Michael, Mayer, with Michael Meyer, Meyer, whatever, Laporta. yeah. And Laporta, he's an Iowa tight end. He's not a great blocker, which is crazy to think about. So I don't know that he's like a one-for-one replacement of TJ Hawkinson. It feels like he has some some room to grow as a tight end in the NFL, but will be expected to be the guy. They didn't take a tight end eighth overall, which is good no, for him, but even uh, still, like you took a tight end really high. And, and it, it wasn't even the, was right, the top guy. The, the, yeah, the top guy. And so, look, I want to get on the Lions bandwagon. But the past couple <laughs> like weeks have the, been tough. But it's been tough now. It's just like, man, uh, like. I wanted this. I want this team to be good, and I think they still will be. But like that, that was a turnoff. That draft. So even the Hendon Hooker pick, I really like Hooker. I think he's a great player, great person off the field too, by all accounts. But you know, the big celebration was like, oh, they got this great value in the third round. He's not a first round grade quarterback. Like he might have gone in the first round by someone just reaching and taking a shot on him to get the fifth year option. But I don't really see that as this huge win. Like, yeah, maybe he'll put some pressure on Jared Goff or give him an option if Goff doesn't play as great in 2023 as he did in 2022. But I don't know. It's a third round quarterback. Ultimately, he didn't go in the first round for a reason. He didn't go in the second round for a reason. So I don't know that he's a reason to kind of make up for some of the the reaches in addition to weird positional values in that first round. So I do have the lines as a loser. Yeah. Uh, next lo- loser I have are the Rams. <laughs> I didn't like their draft either. It was like watching the Patriots draft. Like they <laughs> took all these. They took like a dozen picks, all late rounds because they 
you know, fuck the picks. <laughs> they draft they they traded their first rounder already for Stafford and other picks. Now that was worth it because they won a Super Bowl, yeah. but still, uh-huh. like you're you're drafting in the later rounds. They they had one. Hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six. I think they had ten picks in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's just their their roster. They have plenty of stars, but like I said last year. It's so so top heavy. They're bleeding. Like, okay, they got Cup too. and Donald and Stafford and, and and other guys, but then it's 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 such a top heavy roster that they don't have the greatest depth whatsoever. And I don't know how taking ten guys in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round give me give you a lot of confidence. Not and to mention Stetson change. Bennett in the fourth round. That's why I was just about to go freaking Stetson <laughs> Bennett in the fourth round. That is a joke. Uh huh. If if someone took in the seventh round, it's like all right, like. Two-time like Max champion. Duggan, like, yeah, like yeah, that's appropriate like you, for him. Just yeah, like so if they took him in the seventh round, like all right, I got get it. Two-time national champion, you know, maybe a backup in the league, but fourth round's a joke. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, agree. I that was the worst pick of the draft for them. Uh, so they're a loser for me. Last one is this kind of like a Seahawks thing dating back to last year, but uh, Denver. <laughs> but it's mostly because they're still. You know, dealing with the the of negative effects of the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah, didn't have just, a first round pick. I mean, they had a first a, round, but then they traded for Sean Payton. So, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't. Yeah, so they traded their first round pick for a coach, and then their second pick or or second round pick, their first pick of the draft, they took a wide receiver. And it's like, all right, you have Sutton and Judy Hart and all these trade talks, and you're getting Tim Patrick back. It's like, what what do you need another wide receiver for? Like, why don't you just keep the guys that you have and help them build more chemistry with Russell Wilson, which I know did not look good whatsoever <laughs> at all. And, uh-huh. uh doesn't look promising, but why don't you, you have a new coach now. Like how about work with the guys that you have? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have your some first pick though. is a fourth wide receiver on your team. Like, I don't, I don't uh-huh. know like what you're doing there. And, and, and they just had a few other picks and, I, I, it's mostly a Russell Wilson thing, but I, I don't like how Denver has handled things. Uh, and even with Sean Payton there, I still don't have too much faith in them. So I guess they're the third loser. Oh, you know what? Another loser. It's not a team, but it's a person. Uh, Will Levis. See, I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to say him. Yeah, Will Levis. Uh, was, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, he's going to be the first or second pick," and and. But then there are people saying, well, if he doesn't go fourth, <laughs> then it could be a long night. And it was. He didn't even get picked. Yep. And don't put mayo in your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't put – like, that's probably why he dropped. And and the fact that he had horrible interviews, apparently. He, he oh, really? really it, there's really also a toe injury concern. Guy. Yeah. Oh, that too. But, yeah. He, so he's a loser. I you know, Mel Kuyper might be a loser too because all night, all night, he kept saying, Will Levis, he's the best quarterback on my draft board. And it's just like pick after pick after pick. He kept saying that and he didn't get mm-hmm. picked. No, no, you're right. And I think uh, to play devil's advocate, I think in the end, this could be slightly better for him because I felt like, oh, he was going to be a boss if he goes really high. Now he goes in the second round. So I think the expectations are motivation to prove people motivation, but also like there's expectations are lowered when you go in the second round. It's not as big of a deal. Now he's going to Tennessee. It's not a situation where it's like, oh, we got to get him on the field right away because he's going to compete with Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. So like he'll, he'll be in a situation where it's just kind of thriving that competition, but it's also like more or less competing for the backup job with the opportunity to see the field 
I think that Tennessee, it's a good team, like, overall. I know yeah, like, I think they've had their spot. issues, but... The, I think the Titans, I think they wanted one of those other three guys. Because there were a lot of talks about them getting a quarterback, and, like, we're going to do whatever it takes to get... To, to get that quarterback and it's like all right like Bryce Young got drafted <laughs> uh-huh. one of course to Carolina and then and then Houston did take CJ Stroud too which a lot of people were saying that wasn't going to happen but yep. it did and it's just like all right well now that those two guys are off the board and Colts and then, need needed a quarterback yeah and they decided like, Richardson by far over their Levis. biggest need and they took Richardson yep. so my guess is that it was one of those three guys and they just happened to be three of the four four picks it's yeah like, well right, like, Tennessee took uh, Peter Skaronsky at 11. I thought they were going to take Levis there. I thought they were going to jump yeah, so over the, it. So the fact that they took Skaronsky and not Levis, that tells uh-huh. you that, all right, like they wanted one of those other three guys. Teams, yeah, teams clearly did not value Levis the same way as those other three guys because, you know, Tampa passed over him, Minnesota passed over him, Detroit passed over him twice. Like, you know, there are a lot of teams that you thought, okay, maybe they would jump at the opportunity to take Levis this late in the first round. They just didn't. So, yeah, so those um, are my losers. No, and that, that's totally fair. I think a couple other teams to throw out there. 49ers, you know, part of it is just not having a first-round pick from Trey Lance. But and taking it, a kicker they the took a kicker round. in the third round, you know. I don't know that they necessarily have, like, a ton of holes on their roster. But overall, I don't think their draft was all that great. And, you know, taking a kicker in the I, third round, it's it doesn't historically work out great. So I agree, I agree with that point is that they have a really good team already. And there aren't a lot of holes, but yeah, mm-hmm. taking a kick in the third round. I saw the I saw the the call, the video of the call from Kyle Shanahan, and it's like, yeah, we're taking you right here, and it shows how how much we value. We're not taking a running back or other positions. We're taking a kicker. <laughs> it seems like Kyle Shanahan was dying in the inside for that pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, hey, if he ends up being the greatest kicker ever, then it it'll work out. But also, so Moody very accurate. From in close, not as accurate from 40 yards out. Not a big leg. Sounds like so. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's probably a good comparison there. So we'll see how it works out. You know, obviously he's still young and has time to become a better kicker. But I feel like guys who get drafted early never end up being anything good. Remember Roberto Aguayo, just how horrible yeah. that pick turned out. So Yeah, that, that was brutal. Yep. And well, then, how about uh, how about Rohrwasser for the Patriots? Yeah, oh, yeah. Round. Would have happened to him. First kicker off the board, <laughs> uh, someone that wasn't on anyone's radar. Of course, uh, the Patriots just have to be the contrarian in the room and take someone that no one thought of. And, of course, he doesn't even make it to, like, <laughs> week one and is already off the team. Yeah, and then my, uh, my other one. So I think the Commanders didn't have a great draft. I question the fourth pick, but I also look at this as a team that they're just, like, we're going to have a new owner. We're going to have a new coach. We're going to have a new GM. Let's have a new quarterback. I think best case scenario for the commanders right now is just bottoming out and putting themselves in a position to get that top quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, or someone else who comes out of nowhere. But because of that, it's not really a great strategy to be in. So Yeah, I, I yeah, watch, that's a good pick for loser because, yeah, Sam Howell or Brissett as your quarterback – didn't give them like receivers or anything like they didn't really get a whole lot of help out of this draft so so it's just gonna be another year of terry mclaurin and well you know i take it back Jahan dotson's dotson yeah i think dotson's very good so but yeah you need more (laughs) weapons and really you need another you need a quarterback yeah yeah and then my last one uh the cleveland browns not necessarily because of who they picked but because when the texans or i guess 
the Lions were on the clock at number 12, the initial pick owned by the Texans. They tweeted out, got our guy, a gif of Deshaun Watson, which off the, field stuff, uh, off the field stuff aside, that pick was number 12 because of the play of your team and in particular that quarterback not playing well when he was on the field. So it's just kind of like a double own. It's not like the the Broncos watching Russell Wilson highlights at ninth overall when they traded the ninth overall pick for Wilson. This is a case of Cleveland having a very good, you know, premium pick not belonging to them because their quarterback was not very good last year. Yeah, I, I agree with that pick too. That I saw I saw that Watson. That was <laughs> brutal yeah it's still up they got roasted in uh the quote tweets and the replies but yeah i mean for me it's just like okay this guy was worse than jacoby Brissett last year and you know maybe with a full off season yeah with a full off season full preseason whatever full regular season things will look much better this year for him and the browns but it's uh he looked kind of washed though yeah (laughs) you could tell he hadn't played in a while i'm sure it's rust (laughs) he he was out of the game for a year and a half plus Mm -hmm. but yeah, you gotta hope he has a good year coming into next season. Yeah, that could be, <laughs> that could be catastrophic. Yeah, bad. even worse than Wilson. Uh, so, any other uh, notes or comments about the draft? No. Next thing we got looking forward to the NFL schedule release, where they release the schedule of the schedule release on Thursday, May 11th is when they're gonna announce it. So, definitely excited to see how that regular season is gonna stack up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out which weeks the Patriots will be losing, which ones <laughs> I can put an automatic L on. Yeah, I um, I'm de- I'm definitely excited to see some of the you know primetime matchups. You know, which teams like really get rewarded from this offseason and uh, really just to have a schedule and like start looking ahead to this year. All the the win loss predictions in May that are totally going to be accurate come November December when the season actually plays out. <laughs> right. So. I think it's all we have for this one. And uh, next week's episode will be the comedy movies of the 2000s draft. Very excited to release that. That was a fun one. I think it went about as, pretty much how I expected it to go. Yeah, with, uh, it went the, ex- the crew went that we had for it. So, uh, But still, still happy we did that. And um, after that, we'll be back to talk about the NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, and everything else in the world of sports. So... For my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.